0: When it comes to aviation-based supply drops, it's not a simple matter of pushing things out of airplanes and hoping they land where you want them. It's a highly advanced and precise science that demands a number of technical and theoretical proficiencies. Hello, I'm your host, Paul Thies, and on this episode of If Win, we discuss the art and science behind aviation airdrops with Chief Engineer Jeff McCoy and Product Manager Jeff Cusado, both of the Jacobs Software Engineering Center. Jeff and Jeff walk us through the Jacobs AirDrop solution, which allows U.S. and Allied Air Forces to execute high-precision AirDrop missions that range from troop insertions to advanced forces logistics support to critical humanitarian aid. Through incorporation of custom analytical and automation algorithms, our solution delivers a 98% reduction in drop zone size while simultaneously raising the airdrop release point by 500% with no loss in accuracy, which keeps ground crews safer and our flight crews out of harm's way. Well, Jeff McCoy and Jeff Cusado, thank you both for joining me today. We're going to talk about aerial drops and data analytics. It's not as easy as just pushing something out of an airplane and it landing where you want it. There apparently there's a lot of science that goes into something like this and so I'm really looking forward to uh, unpacking it with both of you. So, thanks for joining me today. Thank you. All right. So, uh Jeff McCoy, I'd like to start with you. You know, can you describe some of the challenges involved in aerial drop missions? You know, what are some of the things that must be accounted for in order to have a successful aerial drop?
1: Yeah, so the number one priority is safety, right? Safety of the crew, uh, the people on the ground, you know, jumpers, the cargo, the airplane itself. Uh, so the drops must be accurate. Um, you know, things are landing, heavy, very heavy things where people are landing on the ground. We want to make sure we don't land on schools and mosques or in areas where people are are threatened. So we're, we are providing solutions to supporting the Air Force and the Army and the capability to plan and execute the drops of both cargo and personnel. That's, that's what our software does, and we'll get into that in a little bit. And it's all types of missions, right? Humanitarian drops, troop resupply, combat operations, personnel, cargo, weapon systems, all are priceless uh, to some degree or another. So safety is, is key. I'd say the biggest challenge to that is the weather, predominantly the winds. There's a challenge in understanding it's not just whether it's sunny or raining at the drop zone, but, you know, what are the what's the 3D vertical wind field look like uh, as the aircraft enters that area and prepares to drop? What what altitude are they at? Uh, what's the local terrain effects? What, when was the last forecast updated? How good is that forecast? Right. So, you know, if we have inaccuracies or timeliness of data, maybe the winds changed since since the last time you got your forecast time between planning and execution is key. Which, which is what we do. We're trying to work on ways to, to tighten that and improve that so that they have the best idea of the situation in that drop zone. You have local effects that sometimes forecasts are regional over a large area. I mean, these drop zones are pretty small, right? So local effects, are, is there a mountain pass there that the wind is channeling through? Is there bodies of water? Is there canopy, desert? You know, All those things have to be uh, taken uh, into consideration. Some of it's currently mitigated by releasing a drop zone, which I think Jeff will talk about a little bit later, but basically they make a pass over and, and drop a sign, which we talk to as it falls through the the vertical channel, uh, vertical cone core mm-hmm. of the air, and uh, and then we can they can get the latest winds which which helps. But there's there's challenges to that because if you're in a combat situation you're exposing the aircraft by that first pass because then you got to come around and do your drop right. So and there's of course other challenges. You know, the fact that there's different chute types, there's different aircraft, the different ramps, different parameters on the plane, different drag coefficient, all those things, uh, the type of delivery system matters, uh, the performance parameters, um, the ability for us to model large data sets and provide accurate assessments, you know, how best to load the cargo in the bay of the aircraft, the timing of how it exits, the things that happen when it exits, whether it's a person or a, a large payload like a tank or something. Mm -hmm. Um, The mathematics and the algorithms and the software are very complex, so we have to ensure that we conform to the right, you know, mathematics and algorithms and, and you know, in in accordance with Air Force regulations and things that the Department of Defense specifies to us. Uh, Not not every aircraft is the same. The avionics system is different. So we, you know, some of what our software creates is solutions that we'll talk about in a minute, but a lot of that data gets kind of loaded onto, or at least considered in the avionics of the aircraft and where the plane goes and when to release the payload. So that differs by some of the platforms. Um, the attitude of the aircraft, its weight, the speed, the love, level that it's at, the drop path, how it exits the drop zone, uh, how it runs in, where the threats are. Is that is that data accurate? So, you know, the challenge is, you know, basically where, how do we tell the crew where to put the right, where in space should, should they release the payload? And then mm-hmm. is that the right spot to make sure that it's where we think it's going to be as terms of placement on the ground? There's things we want to avoid on the ground. And we also want to make sure that the people that have to go out and get the cargo from, from the drops on not under harm's way. So location is really important in proximity to threats. Mm-hmm. I'd say the last maybe challenge is, you know, really our software, itself not only do we have to keep our you know math accurate and everything but the crews use our software to plan obviously and you right. know all through the execution so user interface and being intuitive the right workflow understanding what the users need and not getting in their way it, it needs to be concise and easy to use and quick because they've they've got a mission to fly and they can't they can't get bogged down in our software so hmm. we have to understand the user's mindset and keep designing our software to uh to be right for them, because if they have to spend more than a few minutes figuring out what our software is doing, they're they're just going to go to the jet and do their mission by hand. So, no, I'd no. I'd say those are some of the key challenges. No,
0: oh, no, that's really fascinating. You know, and I've seen some of the uh the demonstrations, and like the accuracy is just mind boggling. You know, like how high up that the planes can go, and how, like how accurate and how small the drop zone is that uh, and how uh the consistency by which they can drop stuff is just is truly astounding. So now Jeff Cusado, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, Jacobs has this product, it's a aviation suite Airdrop. And can you tell us a little bit about how Airdrop works and what are some of its benefits?
2: Yeah, sure. I mean I think uh Jeff McCoy just did an excellent job running down all the various facets about uh, an air crew and what they have to go through for an airdrop, right? And really, that's what we're trying to build ultimately is that piece of software that they can see through all those things that are happening and ultimately, you know, divine that one or two pieces of information that's going to help them out. So in terms of what we're doing for airdrop, we are trying to calculate a point in space for the aircraft to fly to.
0: Mm-hmm. And at
2: that point, it's called the uh, green light. And no getting in, in the back of the aircraft, there is a big light that turns green and it signals time to release the payloads. So then a whole bunch of things end up happening. Now, uh, there are a couple ways that payloads can exit the back of an aircraft, be pulled out by another parachute, it could be jumpers that jump out the back. But one of the most common types is called rollout. So speaking of that, this airplane hits this point, green light goes on, it pitches back, the tie-downs are cut for the payloads, and the payloads begin to slide right out the back of the aircraft. And at that at that point, when they've left the aircraft, they're traveling at the same velocity of the aircraft
1: mm-hmm. and
2: they hit air resistance and they start slowing down. So their, their forward momentum is slowly bringing them to a stop. They're also falling thanks to gravity and their mm-hmm. parachutes inflating. And so they reach this point we call the stabilization point where there's no more forward momentum from the aircraft. The parachute canopy is fully deployed. Mm-hmm. and now floating it's at the winds of the wind uh and it will follow that wind all the way down and land on the ground and so our goal is to allow them to target where they want it to land and then mm-hmm. work backwards to do all that math to say this is that that spot you want to hit in the air so mm-hmm. it's pretty neat our software in order to give them that one point we try to give them as much additional situational awareness data to help fight all those things that jeff just mentioned so mm-hmm. we'll generate and run hundreds, if not thousands, of simulations about where these payloads could land and try to give these air crews a good idea about what is most likely going to happen on the ground so that they can make the tactical decision about how to approach this problem. Put all that together, you know, our software, we allow airdrops from as low as a couple hundred feet all the way up to 35,000 feet. So it's, it's really something. And those And those types of systems can be these dumb ones, we call them ballistics, that just come out and they float. Mm -hmm. They also can be pretty intelligent and have their own guidance units steer their rigging themselves, steer the parachute themselves. And that's a whole other piece of math to make sure we allow air crews to drop as far away, as safely away, but also with enough confidence to actually carry out the mission. Wow.
0: It is amazing. And the fact that you can drop something from 35,000 feet is just, it's crazy. And then you think about like some of the various situations, you know, it could be like a, like a combat zone where you don't want to like miss the drop because it's kind of hard for, you know, the guys to go and reclaim that. Or if it's like a, like Jeff was saying earlier, if like a place where there's schools or whatnot, you certainly don't want to be dropping a tank on top of a school or something crazy exactly. like that. So
2: Exactly. So so we try to build this software to give them a couple scenarios. So they kind of poke and prod depending upon what's important to them. Because like you just said, like what could happen? What's the mm. chances of the wind pattern shifting to, until something no longer, <laughs> an unideal situation shows up, right? Should yeah. I change my altitude, drop lower? Can I go higher and stay away from things on the ground? Can I attack from a different run-in, a different heading, right? A different way into this area? If I have to not drop because something happened right we were just too far shifted our course was off by a little bit
1: mm-hmm. how
2: what's the best way to re-attack, right do i turn left <laughs> right mm-hmm. what are my options in front of me so which one, you know given that there's terrain there is weather there's ground positions of, of of enemies and friendly so again how do we give them tangible data so they can make smart decisions when mm-hmm. they are disconnected and you know decentralized from the larger air force
0: Mm. now jeff mccoy how is this solution you know this airdrop solution how is it different from anything that might be offered out there by the competition
1: well to date the solution that we have that jeff just described is is customized over many years with the dod principally the the air force and the army we've worked over the years very closely with the government and the end users very tight relationships we have end users that come into our office and we They're in their flight suits and they're talking to our developers and it really customized and tailoring to the mission that the Air Force has with the Army drop, you know, getting the stuff out of the people and cargo out uh, onto the ground. And and we've really been the go to people for that in in that environment. There are other tools in use in other uh, arenas, but, you know, ours is kind of specialized and fairly sophisticated, as Jeff pointed out, uh, to this particular mission. In our development, you know, our, I guess our direct competitors are other enterprise contractors in our mission planning arena. They, there's several, four or five other developers um, that work in our environment in terms of developing mission planning tools, and and they support some of the same aircraft we support. C17 and uh, C130Js have airdrop missions, and so we're doing things for the C17 and C130J, and other other contractors are as well. In uh, Airdrop data does get loaded to those aircraft, and sometimes it's data from our tool that they integrate in other systems. So, at any time, other people can pick this up and provide solutions. But it really—I mean—it really takes a lot of domain knowledge and understanding. It's not something you're going to pick up overnight. It takes a while to to develop this stuff and have an understanding of all the parameters that we've been discussing. I'd say one benefit that we have over the competition. Is that it's not just the software that we've built, but it's maintaining it in the field and supporting the users in their missions they'll if if there's an off drop issue or hey this we're not hitting our target for some reason what's going on? is it the weather is it drops on is it software is it aircraft you know all these things they'll come back to us and we'll and we'll investigate we'll run data analysis we'll we'll uh we'll study the situation we've gone out there our team members have gone out there and watched drops and and so, and again, working with the end users, Hey, this one time this happened to me, why did that happen? We have that continuing relationship, so It's not just us selling a product or anything here. It's, it's an ongoing relationship and providing domain expertise. It's one of our discriminators working with our users. And so we, we continue to kind of be the go-to people there. In fact, other tools out there. They've we've been approached to hey, can can we integrate this into our solution? So um, we understand our users' challenges and constraints and we've had a longstanding relationship. But that's not to say that there's no, you know, <laughs> no competition. Uh, I think our future outlook is that we, we'll have to really watch things as as payload and delivery systems change and modernize over time. This is an area of a lot of technology improvement, you know, things are getting more precise. You got pizza hut able to deliver things on drones or amazon or whatever it might be mm-hmm. and so you know now our competition might turn out to be oem manufacturers who own the hardware and the delivery system and the software and all the other parameters and this is an evolving field it's modernizing over time and and we have to kind of keep our our spears sharp here
0: mm-hmm. oh, that's very interesting now you know jeff Cusado. You and Jeff McCoy both mentioned some use cases, one of which was, you know, for instance, humanitarian uses and of course, combat drops and things like that. But, you know, Jeff Casado, can you unpack for us, you know, what are some of the compelling use cases for the airdrop solution?
2: I'm just kind of thinking back on it. I've been involved with writing airdrop software since about 2007. Mm -hmm. uh, Back then there was operation during freedom from around Afghanistan. I mean... That started just after nine eleven and went all the way up to about twenty fourteen or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the big things with airdrop, there was a huge increase in its utility because it kept convoys and soldiers off the roads. Like, mm-hmm. uh, do you remember that movie um, Hurt Locker with our yeah. DM- right? And yeah. so, yeah, that was a big deal because you remember if you remember the news back then, we were hearing about IEDs and you know what that did to convoys, and was, so moving equipment was very dangerous to do it on the ground. So. Mm-hmm. Airdrop really started to enable equipment like you know, blood and in addition to ammo and other things to be mm-hmm. directly brought to forward operating areas without putting ground forces at harm. I was out at Little Rock, Arkansas, and I was talking with some users, and one guy had just returned back from Afghanistan. The story just sticks with me just mm-hmm. because he remembers being in his aircraft, trying to recalculate some of his airdrop as he was in flight. He wasn't using our software at the time. They were trying to do some new advanced techniques, and he remembers getting some math wrong. It went out the back and he has looked down going oh 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 no like please make sure it's on that on that drop zone and he had actually had a buddy down on the ground and you know and at the end everything was totally fine with this drop it actually landed okay his buddy was fine but he just kind of told me you know for those 15 minutes flying back to base his emotion when he told me this story is certainly stuck with me cuz you know again this is pretty pretty amazing that we're enabling the air crews to you know, help resupply folks on the ground that otherwise are going to be in dangerous place. And we have, you know, air supremacy in Afghanistan, but that obviously could radically change in a future engagement. Mm. Um, that's something that always sticks with me. And you're right, humanitarian aid, this is something I like to talk about a lot. Mm-hmm. What the Air Force the National Guard does is uh, my favorite thing, it's called Operation Christmas Drop. There's even a Netflix movie. I don't know if it's well done or poorly done. I haven't watched it. Yeah. Uh, it happens every year around Christmas to some of the remote islands in Micronesia. Mm -hmm. So the Air Force has been doing it since like 1952, and they do it with a lot of their ally partners as well. So it's a pretty cool thing to read about. They're going out there and dropping these big cases of utilities and supplies to these remote islands. So that's always a great thing to know that the software is being used for something like that.
0: Mm So, Jeff McCoy, can you tell us a little bit about the team that's involved in the conception, design, and construction of Airdrop? You know, I'm a, I imagine there's a variety of disciplines that go into the manufacturer or something like this. So, can you can you tell us a little bit about the types of professionals that have to be involved to pull something like this off?
1: Definitely, multiple disciplines in, involved in this. We, our current team, our current Airdrop team is uh, around 23 people you know, fairly small, tight-knit group. Uh, it's about 15 software developers and, and software testers operating as, you know, development teams. And uh, it also includes kind of a support staff that includes subject matter experts. Some are crew members who have been doing drops on those same aircraft that we support. And that's how we, you know, get some of the smarts and understanding of how some of this works. Uh, security engineering, of course, uh, systems engineers who are also domain expertise Provide domain expertise, um, DevOps, uh, technical writing for the end users. You know, here's here's some help information for using the software. Those kinds of things. So all those different disciplines come together, and in, you know, basically we're we're an end-to-end product developers. So we're we're involved from, if you want to say, requirement solicitation, but really understanding uh, more what what our customer needs. Sometimes they they don't give us requirements. They come to us and says, hey, let's figure this out together. And and we do that. And so all the way from planning through design of what we're going to build over time into implementation, deployment, sustainment, and user support. Like we'll go out and show them how to use the software. We go to the government's um, integration testing and operational testing to make sure that the software works in the user's environment, along with all the other mission planning tools they use. So the team has to be uh, knowledgeable of all that, and we we try to build the teams in that manner. Uh, we make sure that the developers have the right tech stacks uh, in terms of the type of architecture and the code base that we're supporting and moving into in our customer's environment. We um, need to understand data analysis and the mathematics and the complex algorithms that we've talked about, and also the, the end users platforms, understanding what kind of you know computers they use, laptops, mobile devices, workstations, whatever it might be, to make sure that You know, we're developing the right things for the right time and the right people. Um, So a key concept, you know, we we implement the Agile process. So, you know, we're CMI and Agile. We've been doing it for a few years. We really, the teams that I just mentioned are really small teams, eight eight people or so, you know, and work gets allocated to those teams. And the idea is to keep those teams together as much as possible. They learn how to plan together. They learn how to estimate together. um, And they really learn how to work together and and so your your velocity gets established and you and you start to become a well-oiled machine right and our team frankly has learned very well how to how to behave as an agile team they've changed the culture and the workflow from the traditional waterfall process and there's a really a uh, awesome trait of innovation that we have when the customer comes to us it's not just asking what the customer what do you guys want us to do it's like hey let, let's talk about this and here we have some ideas here's how we can solve your problem maybe something the user Or the customer hasn't thought of. So it's our value to them that we're providing, you know, just making sure that we're that end user has the right product at the right time. So, and really the key of the team, as I mentioned, is domain expertise, like we talked about earlier. It's it's one thing to understand how to write software, it's one thing to understand the algorithms, but if you don't know how to apply it in your user's domain and understand your users' challenges and needs. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not going to be as successful. So we, some of our people on their staff are, like I said, subject matter experts. They're ex crew members. Some are pilots, and they are they work right alongside our developers, laying out user interface designs and workflows, making sure that terminology on the software, you know, pages is matches what the user is looking for, so they don't sit there and look at something and not understand what it means. Those are really key, important when you're flying in an airplane. You, you can't have confusion in the cockpit or in the crew area when they're trying to release uh, a payload. So there's a lot of subtle acts, aspects to that. So we, we make sure our teams have those, the right mix of the developers and the end user domain knowledge. If, if security and, and those kinds of things are part of it, DevOps, we, we have people that support the teams and work with the teams to deploy correctly to the, to the software platforms. So and again, understanding the mission of the aircraft is key. So that that's really who, who our team is and who, the kind of disciplines involved. Um, it's really taken years to kind of get up to plane, if you will on that and have the right formation of those teams and sometimes you have to make adjustments and stuff and people come and go, of course, but it does take a long time to learn this thing so we we try to keep those teams together and and it's been successful
0: now Jeff Cusado, you know looking forward, what do you see as the future state of aerial based material deployment?
2: you're going are really supporting the Air Force and their mission here. And we talked about how they did a lot in Afghanistan mm-hmm. in turning the airdrop into almost a logistical weapon to keep people supplied and safe. And we had air superiority in Afghanistan. And as we look out to these future engagements, that might not be the case, right? There's a couple of countries in the news, even recently, that also have a, a pretty impressive military. So it's, it's going to be difficult, but we have to find ways to make airdrop successful in those areas. And if you don't pay too close attention to even technology, you know, we all know that Teslas can drive themselves nowadays, right? Amazon makes deliveries with drones to porches. So there's obviously some very interesting applications for aerial delivery when it comes to things like that. We don't have a crystal ball, so we can't predict exactly which of the new technologies will reach their way to the field. But our job as kind of application developers will be to create, you know, those tools for the air crews to use to make those decisions when... Perhaps they're isolated and without communication. So every week, it's about trying to anticipate what they need and provide that type of insight so, again, they can make better decisions.
0: And then, Jeff McCoy, my last question is for you, is, you know, what's next on the horizon for the Aviation Suite team in terms of new technologies and capabilities being explored? You know, what can you share with us that isn't top secret or proprietary?
1: So, um, you know, as Jeff described, things are changing, right? Technology's changing. Um, the way we do airdrop today is going to change in the future. Um, it has to, and, and we have to be right there with it. We one, Like I mentioned before, when the aircraft makes that first pass to have to do a drop sound, that, that exposes the aircraft, maybe unnecessarily, right? So how do we enable them to just fly over once and understand the accuracies of, of the data so that they don't have to release that drop zone in advance? How how do we make sure that the winds are, that forecast that we have for the winds or the understanding of the winds is accurate, latest and greatest, and and represents accurately the, the area around the drop zone? So, you know, advances in technology is going to open new doors for us along those ways. We're actively working on some of those things right now. We're going to need to drop to really small, exact spots and locations on very small Tiny things, even smaller than the drop zone, drop zone, rather, which could be the size of a football field or something. We're talking maybe smaller than that. So that's where things are headed um, in terms of technologies. The, I guess the other piece of it is you know, more data services and web services. Our, our customers moving into uh, a different architecture for mission planning in general, where things are more you know microservices-based approaches to, to managing the data and, and serving the data to multiple platforms and multiple capabilities and tools we are working in that arena too, and looking at our code and where can we, where can we move some of our, our capabilities that are in our airdrop tool into these services based applications. Um, Another thing that's happening is, you know, mission planning is kind of evolving from the traditional, uh, Hey, before I walk out to the jet, I'm going to sit at my desk and plan my computer and draw charts and look at data. Uh, Mission planning now is moving into the cockpit that it doesn't, planning doesn't stop, you know, when you, Close your laptop and walk out to the aircraft. You things change. The weather's changing. The mission's changing. Unexpected things happen. So really, you're you want to be updating your mission plan all along the way through execution to include all of your airdrop parameters that we've been talking about. So uh, we need to be able to provide situational awareness for the crew, enable them to update things even if they're disconnected. You know, from the Wi-Fi that was in their office. I mean, all these things is where where mission planning is going and what we have to do. our crew members, you know, even handheld devices. Uh, Is it a laptop? Is it a phone that they're going to use on board? So, and as I mentioned before, user interfaces and workflows are hugely important. No matter what technology we use, we got to make sure that the user can use it correctly. And it's a constantly improving and refining effort on that. So, you know, there's a lot happening in, in the Air Force in terms of its priorities and things are changing very much, but and technology is changing a lot. So we, we are actively engaged with our user right now and our customer to, to move forward in the new new arena that seems like it's coming here. The other thing we're doing in, in other areas is we, we also, you know, JSEC is involved in uh, not just AirDrop, but we have, uh, we support a lot of aircraft platforms for air mobility command in the Air Force, as well as other platforms across the DOD, helicopters, cargo, you know, jets, air refuelers, tankers. And a lot of what we do is load, aeronautical data onto those aircraft platforms. And so it's not just AirDrop data. It's also mission data, routes of flight, um, which AirDrop has to interface with, right? What's my route of flight approaching that drop zone? How do I exit the drop zone? Uh, Where do I refuel before I approach that drop zone? Um, Where am I going from point A to point B in the world? And so that's the AMC's um, mission. And so we, we have a lot of, they call it unique planning components, UPCs. Um, as well as navigation database loaders that we work with our customers as well, similarly with the AirDrop tools, to um, provide capabilities for those platforms. And so a lot of this needs to be integrated. It needs to be seamless. And so a lot of our efforts moving forward are going to be having the right technologies and data services to integrate a lot of these capabilities so it's a seamless capability for the user from their office into the jet and back home again. So we need to tie it all together for the warfighter.
0: Well, Jeff McCoy and Jeff Cusada, thank you both so much for your time today. This is really fascinating and really appreciate you unpacking the science and the skill and the art that goes into managing aerial drops, you know, particularly in uncertain situations. So thank you both so much for your time.
1: Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity.